So as Passover comes to a close, and uh, we conclude what has been a string of really diverse, thought-provoking guest speakers over the past month, I wanted to give a sermon that brings us back to the text. It's a bit more traditional Parshat HaShavua, the weekly Torah portion, which in this case is Parshat Shmini, Leviticus chapter 10. So listen, listen to how it starts. Aaron's sons, Nadav and Avihu, each took his fire pan, put fire in it, laid incense on it, and offered it before the Eternal as alien fire, which God had not enjoined upon them to do. And fire came forth from the Eternal and consumed them. Thus they died at the instance of the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Eternal meant when God said, through those near to me, I show myself holy and gain glory before all the people. And Aaron was silent. Vaidom Aharon. And Aaron was silent. Aaron does not speak again until the very last verse of the chapter, almost 20 verses later. After hearing Moses criticize him and his remaining sons, Eliezer and Itamar, for not eating the sacrificial offering, Aaron spoke to Moses, See, this day they brought their sin offering and their burnt offering before God, and such things have befallen me. Had I eaten the sin offering today, would the Eternal have really approved? I added that really. Would the Eternal have approved? And when Moses heard this, he approved. And the chapter ends. The Midrash, the commentary, teaches that Aaron spoke these words harshly to his brother with anger, challenging him, my two sons just died, and you think that I'm supposed to be working and feasting on new sacrifices? Do you really think that is what God wants from me? But then the text says that Moses hears, like the Shema, Moses hears his brother. And he doesn't debate or get defensive or storm off when challenged. He really hears him. And the Torah simply says that he approves of his behavior and he lets it go. The rabbis go even further and argue that Moses realizes his mistake and relents. In Sifra, Hananiah ben Yehuda teaches that throughout his life he saw that the insistence on stringency is something to be wary of because it caused Moshe to err in his life. The insistence on stringency is something to be wary about. Moses is too strict, according to Hananiah. He expects Aaron to quickly accept God's justice in killing his two sons, and to resume his duties and continue going along with everyday life like nothing had happened. But when Aaron finally speaks up and criticizes his brother, Moses changes his mind. He relents. He comes to understand that he has been unkind and immediately stops giving his brother and nephew such a hard time. The Talmud uses this story as a model for how to pay a shiva call, for how to visit a house of mourning. 
Rav Papa says, the primary reward, the zahut, the reward you get for attending a house of mourning is for the silence, which is the optimal manner for those consoling the mourners to express their empathy for them. And Rabbi Yochanan says, the consolers are not permitted to speak words of consolation until the mourner opens and speaks first. Even today, we follow these rules. When we visit someone who is in mourning, someone who has just lost someone close to them, we are supposed to wait for them to speak first. We're supposed to wait for them to set the tone and content of the conversation. Perhaps they want to reminisce. Perhaps they want to kvetch, they want to complain. Perhaps they want to crack awkward jokes. Or perhaps they want to say nothing at all. The point is that that is their choice, not ours. There is no right way to feel after a terrible loss. And it is our job to wait to take their cues and then to have a conversation with them. Rabbi Shai Held, who's a rabbi in New York at Mahon Hadar, he explains that the lessons here in Shemini are subtle. The impulse to explain other people's tragedies often stems from our own fear of chaos. It is almost always crucial to resist the urge to share our explanations with them. Moses wants to take control of the situation when his nephews Nadav and Avihu die. He offers Aaron a quick rationale for their deaths and immediately issues orders for the removal of their bodies. He doesn't want to stop to philosophize or to cry for the loss. He wants to keep going with the people's nascent rituals in the desert. He wants to make sure that in this vulnerable moment that the remaining line of priests will still offer the critical sacrifices to God. And initially, Aaron seems to acquiesce to this strategy. He silently assents, neither protesting against nor agreeing with his brother. But in medieval commentary, Rabbi Isaac Abravanel teaches, Aaron's heart turned to lifeless stone. He did not weep and mourn like a bereaved father, nor did he accept Moses' attempt to console him, for his soul had left him, and he was speechless. Abravanel imagines Aaron in such profound shock that it's not until the end of the chapter that he finally comes to and can challenge his brother. It is not until he hears his brother criticize him and his sons for their behavior that he has the strength to speak up and force his brother to see the emotional weight of the situation. I imagine that many of us have been like Moses after an unimaginable tragedy. We have found ourselves offering unsatisfying explanations or awkward reassurances. At least she went quickly and without pain. At least he's in a better place now. You know, God works in mysterious ways. We don't always know how to sit next to someone who is in so much pain and not try to fix it or explain it away. 
I can also imagine that some of us have been Aaron, rendered speechless by our great pain and suffering from loss, but also frustrated and angry and even resentful at hollow voices surrounding us. Perhaps the most powerful part of this story is the possibility for Moses to change by the end of chapter 10, that he can ultimately listen to his brother, recognize his mistake, and alter his behavior, that he can give Aaron the space he needs to mourn and even see that as ultimately God's will, that he can be the one to stay silent instead of the one to silence others. For us as a nation, and for many individual families in our community, this period of time has felt like one of particular loss. Many moments when we are not quite sure how to comfort our friends or our family or even ourselves, where we feel powerless to bring order to the chaos of the day. None of us is perfect. Even our great prophet Moshe even our great prophet Moses was not perfect. But we try and try again to find a way to be a source of support and comfort to those that we love and those that need us most. The Torah teaches us to sit with silence, vaidom acharon, not to quiet Aaron, not to force him to be only private in his mourning but to listen, lishmoa, and to really hear, and to in turn be able to ultimately be heard. To approve, to riaskem, to find approval and to do what is good in God's eyes. Shabbat shalom.